Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. Today's Wednesday, October 14th. We got the usual gang and we brought back one of people's favorite guests. Always has incredible stories to tell. Some may be too crazy for a podcast. It's our guy, Lorcan Morris. How's it going, Lorcan? Hey, guys. It's great to be back, man. Yeah, I do have some good stories. I was just, uh, I wish they were embellished and not true. Unfortunately, not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I know uh, Nolan has some exciting news to share with our listeners. So, Nolan, I'll let you get to that right off the bat. Yeah, Zach. Um, hey, good to have you, Lorcan. Always good to see your beautiful, smiling face. Um, but yeah, we're. Um, Proud to be partnering uh, with Sticks Golf now. Uh, Sticks Golf, they do um, some some really nice golf clubs. Um, probably haven't heard of them yet, but now you will. Um, if you're tired of paying for overpriced golf clubs, looking to upgrade, um, Sticks Golf is a great option. Um, they make modern clubs for the modern golfer. Um, they offer premium quality, minimalistic design. They're just like these nice clean flat black looking uh golf clubs uh the full set um so check them out at sticks.golf that's s-t-i-x dot golf um and check them out on other social media channels Uh, you can find them at sticks golf gear on twitter instagram etc and then we're going to offer you guys uh promo code here as well so if you want to purchase uh, a set at sticks.golf, type in the promo code stadium99, and you're going to get $100 off your purchase. So awesome deal there. And uh, yeah, we're glad to be on board with Sticks Golf. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're happy to have you guys. And I guess segueing on that topic, Orkin, we haven't really talked about it before on the pod. I know we've had you on a couple of times, covered most things. Have you been, uh, are you a big golfer outside of the course? And I guess talking about clubs, what clubs have you been using? I'm not too big, man. I'm about at five foot eight and 170. So I'm not that big a golfer. On and off the course for that size? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I go to, I go to Spur. um, And I I gave up the caddy and I didn't give up. It's quite fortunate. I did quite well with caddy and myself in 2015 uh, for 22 months when Kimberly was pregnant with Fergus and I really got into it again. I got my amateur status back and played for uh, those 22 months. I was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Everything I did was, was all about golf until Fergus was born. But uh, went home, played the Irish made amateur and got a, a very, uh, very lucky runner up finish there. Um, so yeah, I did. So that was, but that was what, three years, four years ago now, but I haven't played all of that since. So I'm not a I'm not a big golfer, and as regards what clubs like play, I have a whole set of one of a set of uh, Callaway um, XOR irons that, and they made up for Morgan Press, but one of her backup one of her backup sets, and um, Barry the LPGA rep was uh, gracious enough to give them to me about uh, five or six years ago now. So yeah, not much on the golf front. They got Ryan Brim's old TaylorMade driver that he won in Portland with, and yeah. Uh, I have an old, really old Bobby Jones putter that I just acquired on a golf trip in September from one of my wife's cousins. I switch 
a floor issue, obviously. So I gave him about a $2,500 putter for a $25 putter. <laughs> I feel like you have to stop telling everyone that you're getting free clubs from your players or they might uh, start limiting what they give. Yeah, no, it's, it's all right, man. It's, they're, they're not new. This stuff's going straight to the trash. Are, so, are the pros clubs much more difficult to play with? Because I know, like, comparing it to hockey, like, I've played hockey my whole life, but I cannot take an NHL or stick and be able to play. Like, they're way too stiff. I guess those guys are all... So, for me, they're, for me, they're a lot harder because I don't swing it hard enough. Like, um, when I get the stuff, I just change it out into the, into the stuff that I play, which is a much, much uh, softer shaft. Reed, Reed is well able to hit. Um, would be well able to hit Mark uh, stuff and probably may even uh, have a uh, higher uh, or a stiffer shaft than, than Mark would have in his. Reed hits it a long way. Yeah, I mean, but it all comes down to... <laughs> A lot of it's just, it just comes with your size, too. I mean, there are small guys that do hit it far, shorter guys that should do hit it far, but a lot of it just comes with, you know, obviously swing arc. The, the bigger the swing arc, the more clubhead speed you're going to come. You get start getting taller guys, Dustin Johnson, you know, all the guys that have a little bit more height to on the PGA Tour, they all tend to swing a little quicker and play, you know, stiffer Yeah, well, shot. look at Ryan. Look at uh, Bram. Ryan Bram was, what, probably right. three? Swinging at 128 miles an hour on average on tour, and I've seen him swinging at 135. Right. What's What's Bryson swinging at? I don't know. Or what can he swing at? There's 110. I mean, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I know he is the 200 mile per hour ball speed. Yeah. Dude, how impressive! It's unbelievable, isn't it? How, how good it is up close. It's It's been amazing to me to watch. <laughs> How straight he's able to keep it hitting it that fucking hard. It's unbelievable. Remember that? Well, you remember the driving range in um, in Rocket Mortgage in Detroit. He's hitting it over. Oh, yeah. He was, sending, he was sending them over. Yeah. Because uh, one, one evening, Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening, one of the evenings in the middle of the week there, Ben and I were the only people on the range with him. And the volunteer was sent over by a state trooper who had a complaint from the person that lived in the development 430 yards away. Uh, off all backyard on the fly. It's unbelievable. It sounds like his strategy is that he's going to keep trying to hit it farther and farther. Like he doesn't sound like he's near finished with his whole plan. Well, he's got a lot of time, man. He's going to live till he's 130. So, I mean, he's got a lot of years to get longer. It is. It's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, so I guess one of the things I wanted to talk about, I know there's a, there's a couple of tournaments going on. But I actually, I was just writing an article the other day on some of the best young players in golf. And we've seen so many shoot up. Is Bryson the most impressive of all these youngsters? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to take it away from him. I mean, what he's done, what he's, how he's changed the game already in his short career. I mean, I mean, you can't take it away from a guy whether you agree with it or not. Like, he's succeeded doing it. It's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable, and you have to hand it to the guy. Him and then Colin, uh, Colin Mark but Colin's a different kettle of fish altogether. He's just a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I think if you're getting hits the greens and regulation, and his, uh, I think Colin's a lot calmer person. I think we saw in Vegas on Saturday, Bryson's emotions getting to him. I don't think you're going to see that from Mark Allen anytime, anytime soon. So I yeah, I mean, you have you have Matthew Wolf. I think he has back-to-back second-place mm-hmm. finishes. 
I feel like Wolf and Hovland, they were the first two to come out, and they've been, like, completely overshadowed, even though they're not just, like, two of the best young guys on tour. They're just two of the best, period. I did a fill-in week, the week before last, um, for a guy that's with uh, Ben's agency called Harry Hall. You guys need to look it up. And Harry Hall, this time next year, you guys are going to be talking about Harry Hall in the same breath as Matthew Wolf and, and Bryson and Vicar Hovland. He is absolutely, by far, hands down, no question, the best male player I have ever carried a golf bag for. Unbelievable. Where is he playing yeah. now? He had no status on the Corn Prey Tour, or very limited status. He mundayed into the Springfield, Illinois tournament, finished second, which got him into the next event, which was a top 10, which got him into Savannah, where he top 10, which got him into Orlando, where he top 10. So it's unbelievable. He shot the last, two week, the last two weeks on the Corn Prey Tour, 37 on the par. Yeah. Say, his, say his name again for the listeners. Harry Hall, played at UNLV. Right. Um, made his professional debut last year at the Dunhill Links in St. Andrews on the European Tour. Got paired with Rory on Sunday at the old course and shot 60, bogey 65 and waxed Rory. Then that got him an invite to the South African Open. He went down there and finished 12. Nobody's heard of this guy. I've been telling everybody about him for a week. Jeez, does he yeah. need a caddy? Yeah, sounds like a good guy to hit your wagon, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry Hall, I wonder if he has any uh, relation to Harry Hicks. Kind of similar, right? Yes. Yeah, well, if he's half the character Harry Higgs is, he's a character yeah. already. Harry Hall is as, is as big uh, is as big vertically as, uh, ha- as Harry Higgs is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if Harry Higgs is listening, he, 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 we know each other well, and he knows that, uh, that I mean that with nothing but love. He's and then uh, best, best people you'll ever meet. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like this year it's just been either one of these young stars winning or some like guy who hasn't won in ten years winning. And we just had Martin Laird win. I don't know if this is like a thing in Europe. Is like Scotland your arch nemesis, Morcan? No, no, not at all. Everybody's fine. Man. Oh, you like well who, yeah. who do the Irish not like? They must not like someone. <laughs> We need to we need to hit the mute button when we get into that one. <laughs> so like everybody, <laughs> all the country. Reed knows. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> well, yeah, somehow Martin Laird out of nowhere went 65, 63, 65, 68 to win the Shriners. Just uh, completely off everyone's radar. In the playoff too. <laughs> yeah, once it went to the playoff, I thought for sure he would not win. Yeah. The standard of golf is incredible, man. Like you look last last week, seven under par is the cut on the PGA Tour. Six <laughs> under on the six under on the corn trade. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that must have been fun for you, Reed. Eight, to have to deal with a seven under par cut. <laughs> I mean, seven under par. We were starting the second day. I mean, I knew we needed a good round. We got, we were hanging around four and five and whatnot, and I was like, okay, we just need like one more. Or... Well, fuck, you ended up being seven, man. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. There's people literally that went home last week on the Corn Parade Tour that didn't make a bogey in two days, and they're not getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> make Think a bogey. Three, no bogeys, three birdies every day, and you're not playing the weekend. That's yeah, good luck. That's what it makes me. It's unbelievable. Like, you got a couple of kids at my home club 
some of the members are always telling me, hey, have a look at this guy. I, I think he has what it takes. We need to help him get some money. The CD guy had like three balls, no chance. What do you mean no chance? There's no chance. There's like eight yards between those nine irons. So it doesn't, it doesn't, sorry, dude, it's not going to work. Like, you know, I give you, I, can, I literally have a hundred guys in my cell phone that I can call that will hit three iron irons within a yard and a half of each other. Wouldn't you agree, Ray? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, people have no idea people, how good these guys are. A lot of times when they're warming up for a round, especially early in the morning when the range is kind of freshly picked, and you'll get out, you know, to a, to a nice range that has some nice targets, and you'll see them, you know, the greens that are, are hand-picked, so there's nothing on them, and you'll see these guys, and in 15 minutes, the range around the pins are just covered because they just throw blankets over the pins when they just have nothing on the line, you know. When, when, they're, when it's just a stand-up, you know, stock nine-iron, and they're out playing with their buddies or even in on the range or even in, like, a no-pressure situation on the golf course, they just throw darts. It's, it's so impressive. I played with Mark. I played with Hubbard last year in Houston. Reed, remember I drove from um, Scott Hill, spent the night with him, and then drove to uh, San Antonio. Right. And we went. Well, um, Hubbard and I went out and did what Hubbard and I do on a night out, which is have some good conversation and some large intakes of alcohol. Neither of us slept for very long, and Hubbard went out and threw ten or eleven under par the next day. Yeah. On golf course. I mean, ten or eleven under. Give me a break. I shot that never. In my life, I shot it one time on Tiger Woods when nobody was looking on, the, on my on my Mega Drive. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's like not not abnormal for these guys to go out and do that in practice rounds, and that just happened to be his home golf course. But I've seen them doing that on on uh, on Spain's golf courses too, just messing around. Yeah, it's it, it's. I don't care if you shoot 60, 61, 62 on a little chip and putt golf course. It's par seventy two. <laughs> like it's still shooting 60, 61, 62. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. you guys could give some context for the listeners, because like I always say, like you watch these guys, and how you just said, you you see guys who say they could hit their nine iron eight yards apart, and I'm thinking like that's incredible. What I would do to hit nine irons within eight yards of each other, mine will be like fifty yards apart. Jack, in twenty, to put it in context, in twenty sixteen, you'd have to look it up. But Wagger, which is World Amateur Golf Rankings, I was playing a lot of golf and a lot of top amateur terms. I cracked the top 500 in the world amateur golf rankings. And I would have, at that time, played any player that had status on the Corn Ferry Tour or the PGA Tour a thousand times, and they would have beaten me a thousand times. And that's a fact. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Reid? Yeah, I mean, the difference between top-level amateur golf and, and a tour player, it's not even a discussion. It's it's a different kind of golf, man. It's not yeah. even just a, it's not even just the hitting of the golf on the strike. No, it isn't. It's everything. Everything. How how yeah. difficult are like even the Shriners? Like it doesn't seem like such a hard course necessarily. Like how much more difficult is it than just like a typical course that a amateur would go play? Um. Like a course like the Shriners, okay, it's 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 a TPC, and TPCs are generally meant to be built for people to come in and play. So they're not they're not going to be overly tough. I mean, you have your few that are that are tough, TPC Sawgrass and whatnot. And, but I mean, they're, they're they're challenging. Like a course like that would be challenging for an amateur, but I don't think it would be overly hard. Because um, a course like that, there's really not a whole lot of places you can get in deep trouble per se. It's just 
a, per, a, a person of that talent would have maybe a tougher time making birdies there, but make a lot less double and triple bogeys. Because they have to, if they play those degree reads to the, uh, to the pin locations, is what the big thing is at, uh, and tri- at uh, Shriners. Yeah. I mean, big runoffs on those greens if you miss it in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a few greens you can't miss it in some spots, but, you know, when it comes down to it, like, the difficulty of that golf course is not very high compared to, like, say, uh, Torrey Pines South or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or even Torrey Pines North now that they redid it. But just, like, even when you watch the guys play these tournaments, you see some, like, big mistakes sometimes, like hitting it 10 yards over the green or having too much spin on it. I just feel like, like how you just said, how they, they are so good. And people watch, I feel like, and think sometimes they might be better than these guys. So we need a way to properly display how good these guys are. Okay, Sunday. Sunday at Torrey Pines this year. A, a, a scratch amateur would not have broken 85. No. What that's, about what I, that's what I want, like, on... Well, do you, would you agree, Rich, with that? The, yeah, I mean, 85 is pushing it. Because you, you caddied for Sebastian, right? Because Ed's uh, grandma passed away. So you were there. That was the day that Kobe died. And it was so cold, you couldn't see nothing because of the, right. mist, the mist came in. And uh, yeah, 85 would, 85, they would have to make a few bucks. You, you drop, a, you drop a, a group of 50 amateur people that are zero to five handicapped, 85 might medal. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, you drop 50 scratch, 50 scratch amateur golfers and 85 would be low man. Every tournament, you should have one group full of four scratch golfers and see yeah. how they do it. Like, I want that in the Olympics, too. I want every event to have one or two people in it who are, like, I don't know, high school state champs or something. Well, we get <laughs> guys uh, every once in a while. Reid will tell you. A guy will pop up in a pro-am. You can tell by how he hits it. That he's a scratch golfer, plus one or plus two, and he can't play that on the tour course. The season in pro am from the forward tees. No, it's because the nerves, mindset, which is what what Reid said. It's it's an extension of that. It's not just shot. It's not just the way they hit the ball. It's everything. And they got. Mark, you just put a bug in uh, Zach's ear. Now he wants to go play a a PGA Tour pro am. I'm not a scratch (laughs) golfer, though. That's okay. Even a 58 that works. I'll play in yeah, one. That's it. Don't forget to tip your caddy when you play in one. That's right. Well, I'll need to fend off the people <laughs> who are pissed at me. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be coming at you with hockey sticks, Zach. Yeah. I think I could shoot better with a hockey stick than a golf club. I genuinely believe that. You're, you've had one too many drinks if you think that. Canadian Happy Gilmore. Yeah, you also have Zach, I want to see, see you play golf, Zach, wearing just a maple leaf around your waist. That's it. <laughs> it's just a, ma- a maple leaf man thumb. Yeah, I'll do it. Exactly. Get me into the pro-am. I'll wear a maple leaf. Hey, ask, ask Lorcan. Tell Lorcan to tell you about his, his neon. His neon. Uh... <laughs> yeah. When from my parents about five years ago, my mom and dad put this at. Well, I mean, I love the movie Borat. I just think it's so disgustingly offensive, which is my type of humor. And I'm... Um, he wears the green, the green swimsuit. You know the one. So mom and dad put uh, one in my in my uh, in my stocking. Kimberly and I were over in Ireland with the kids for Christmas, and uh, it was an extra small one. So Kimberly goes, "Put that on and tell your mom it doesn't fit." So it stretches. So literally, I stretch. This thing is like in tight. I mean, it is all jacked up. 
and I walk up to the kitchen and say to my mom, it doesn't fit me. And she's like, oh my God, that was just a joke. You're not supposed to wear that. But anyway, <laughs> that, that thing has seen the light of day more times than it should have. Read, I'm sure I've sent you pictures of me in it or you've seen it. That's amazing. Borat 2 is coming out like any time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, this is your, uh, your supporting cast right here. You're looking at him. You? <laughs> yeah. No, Reed might have been one of the people in it. Like, who knows? You know, you, don't, you never know. Reed's the number one caddy in all of Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie. There, there, was a, there, was a, there was a period there where they came out with like four or five, six of those types. Bruno, remember Bruno? Yeah, woman driver, not in my country. You guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that movie. I don't. I don't know how they did a second one because I feel like they would never allow for it now. You know, he was actually cast as Freddie Mercury in um, in the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and they oh. they filmed a lot of the movie. About uh, I want to say they filmed about sixty percent of it, and he had a big falling out with them. He was supposedly very hard to work with, Sasha Baron Cohen. Really? So then he got fired, and they put that other guy in, who I thought did a great job. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Sasha Baron Cohen, if you look at his face, his facial features, he would have been a very good Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, he's been in a couple of serious movies, but mostly. Yeah, his wife is gorgeous, Isla Fisher, the Australian actress, redheaded girl. The redhead. <laughs> I know, I got a thing for redheads. You know, so my wife is. She's gorgeous. <laughs> um. Before we move on, do we have anything to discuss before we get into some fan questions? No, no, no. We will I think I might, no. We will get right to them. Actually, well, no, we'll get right to them. Okay, would you guys like a Bryson-themed fan question or a clothing-themed fan question? Bring them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about Tyrell Hatton, aren't they? Okay, one we're not asking because it's uh, beyond R-rated. <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, okay, no, I'm going to ask it because it's pretty funny. You have to <laughs> ask it. Paul Browning tweeted out, does Bryson look at himself in the mirror when he's banging our moms? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what? Pretty good. I mean, I don't even want to visualize that. No, but it's a good question, though. Lorkin, what do you think? Since you're the guest in the show, is Lorkin looking? But what's he doing? Lorkin is trying to come up with a way to avoid the fact that you just asked me that straight up live on a podcast. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Okay, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. If I was single and, and looked like Bryson DeChambeau, I'd be looking at myself in the mirror while I was banging your mom. So how about that for an answer? See? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Well, I can't answer for Bryson. I, I, I like Bryson a lot. I think he's a great guy. We spend time together. Um, and I, and uh, I think the question is highly inappropriate. But if I look like that, I'd be looking in the mirror. <laughs> I want to ask this oh, I look, about Bryson. I look, in the, I look in the mirror the way that I look. So what difference does it make if I look like that or not? <laughs> Oh, I want to ask this about Bryson because I'm a, I'm a big Bryson fan, but I think he's like hilarious for what he does, but I'm not sure if he's self-aware of himself being funny. Like, I think he might be fully serious about some things that others think are funny. Do you think he's like in on the joke a little? 100%. You do? Definitely. 
I don't know uh, that commercial with like him cooking bacon in the morning and like building his house with like a soundtrack behind it. I don't know if any of you guys saw that, but it's something. I haven't seen it. I'll have to send it out. But uh, our second Bryson question, this is how you know Bryson's the talk of the world. It's like how Tiger used to be the talk of golf. Now Bryson may take over. Bryson, man, you know, kudos to him. Whatever. Uh, Ken Watana, he asked, uh, who's the next person that's going to, to bulk up like Bryson? Mm. Harry Higgs. You know, I saw a lot of – I saw – yeah, Harry Higgs. I saw a lot of those uh, – those, Harry Higgs did, and nobody paid him any attention. So he's gonna those have to go photos that down. show, like, professional athletes as they're, like, fat. <laughs> it was hilarious because there was a bunch of golfer ones, and, like, they didn't make Patrick Reed fatter. They just left him as is. <laughs> yeah, was that for the – Or for the PGA? Yeah. That's uh, Reed, who do you think it'll be? Oh, uh, Harry Higgs is one. That one's good, man. Harry's a legend. He is a legend. He's he's a legend in, in the sense of he just doesn't give a fuck. He, right. he's the nicest person in the world. He just doesn't care. Uh, right. Next person to bulk up, I'm gonna say. I mean, someone's going to do it. I'm going to say one of the younger guys coming out. Maybe like a, if Kevin Doherty ever got out on tour, I could see yes. him. Great answer. Great answer. Great yeah. Answer. Great, 100%. I think, uh, think Sung JM, maybe. Might no way. Kira, maybe Barnrat. Here I got the Reed, you were in a group with him and didn't get him on our podcast. He is our number one desired guest. We play, we play with him at Pebble Beach. He doesn't speak English, but it would be an incredible podcast. Mark, there, no. There's not many. John Daly is one of the other few, but there's not very many people in this world that play at golf at a high level and swing it past parallel every single swing. And vape on the course. Oh, and vape. Pebble, yeah, Pebble, you have to watch that for three days. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's Kyrdek, like John Daly reincarnated. I mean, John Daly's not dead, but is he like, you know, I mean – John Daly always smokes cigars. Kyrdex a vaping. Kyrdex like this uh, kind of overweight dude. He swings yeah. no, past parallel. You know, there's a lot of parallels there. I could I could see him being the new uh, maybe Thai descended John Daly esque model. Yeah. You know, it's just the, the the company was looking for a new a new uh, new look, but they got kind of. Same in John Daly, but a little bit different, you know? You got to get him in loud mouth. That's what John Daly wears, right? <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. Kyrdek with these polka dot pants on? I think Kyrdek does wear stuff like that, though. He does wear some colorful stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't offer to pants With the cow pants that Shen Chen Fang used to wear on the LPGA. Well, I think the first big article I wrote on the site that, like, blew up was an article about the life of Kyrdek. And... One of the things I found out in my research that the first time he won a tournament in Europe, I think he won, maybe it was $200,000. And he immediately went to the Ferrari dealership and spent every cent on a car. <laughs> he does love his cars. I do remember that. And he had like no money though. Nothing saved up. Just the car. Hey. You can live in a car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially like a Ferrari, you can fit maybe like a couple, couple shirts in there. That's right. I, I know, I know, I know, a, I know a caddy that made a little bit of money. 
and they spent it all on a watch. Ah. Who would that be? Is he Irish? Oh, I have no idea. I think it, it, it sounded, his name sounded like Reed Martin. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> that, that sounds like Reed also. That was, a great, that was a great watch, man. I spent two days with him going back and forth, so just looking at it and, and then talking into buying it because he deserved it. Yeah, Reed, that does sound like something you would do. I love watches. I got to send it back yeah. though. the class. The clasp is a little loose. I haven't worn it in a little bit. Perfect. I'll be there in a few weeks. Nolan, who's your answer? Man, I, I, it's got to be someone younger. Could you imagine, like, Matt Wolf being huge with that swing? I was thinking that. <laughs> but Good he already hits it. I mean, he already bombs it pretty far. I just remember watching that that exhibition, that Seminole or whatever, and he was bombing it. And um, I don't know. I think that would be interesting. I think Matt Wolf could get into it. We'll see. Not a bad answer. Uh, next question. We got Savannah Lay, one of our oldest fans of the pod. Uh, she asked, hoodies, are they acceptable on the course or no? Absolutely not. Yeah. You say no? Absolutely not. <laughs> wow, controversy. I think there's a, uh, an etiquette of a game that goes back to respecting the game from when it was first created that it's a game that you dress. Nolan is doing up his hoodie as Reed speaks about respecting the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, am I ever going to look at someone differently because of it? No, but I don't, you'll never catch me with a hoodie on the golf course. I can promise you that. Unless I'm out of like a little, you know. I agree. I agree with you. Know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist as well. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like them, and I'm not going to wear them, but in order to grow the game and give it to a larger audience, which obviously Tiger on the back end but of his career. We've got to start figuring out how to grow it and continue with the excitement with the younger people. Then they're going to have to be allowed on the golf courses, whether you agree with it or not. Tiger Woods That's wears a hoodie. Awesome. Everyone's going to wear a hoodie. A hundred percent. Look what happened when um, um, Brooks wore the, uh, the, high top, the high top shoes. Was it Brooks? That yeah. wore high top golf shoes, right? And uh, we, well, we just saw Hatton win wearing the hoodie. Yeah. Uh, There's no unwritten rule on hoodies. I feel like it's just never been discussed, really, because people are like, they don't, you know, you wear your sweaters and whatnot. Um, it drives me crazy, crazy when caddies or players do not tuck their golf shirts into their shorts or their pants. What do you think? Yeah. That's I just think it's such a homeless look, man. It's like, come on, dude. Like Ricky Fowler? He's the only one I can remember doing it. It was that special shirt. Well, I think but he still, he, it wasn't like just hanging like down to his friggin' knees, though, was it? I mean, no. it was like, it was I mean, fashion, on the yeah. yeah, but it was a fashion, like, it wasn't like just hanging out. It was a fashion statement. I see the belt and all, still. Yeah, and he got paid a boatload of money, I'm sure. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that. it's weird. I think it's weird that all of a sudden this hoodie talk is all over the place. Like hoodies have been around for so long. I don't know why it's just now kind of like blowing up all of a sudden. But because well, Tyrell won that big, he won. And he's like the top ten player and the first player to win, top ten player in the world to win. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and can we? I mean, that guy's so awesome, and now he's a top ten player in the world. That's that's wonderful. I love I love him. It is. <laughs> Um, our final question is by 
Mark, Mark WT3, best plan of attack for par threes for someone who could hit the ball far but not straight? Uh, Best plan of attack for someone that can hit the ball far and not straight. Well, find the widest part of the green, wherever that is on that par three, and find the area that you can get it up and down from the most, and that's going to be your aiming zone. Never take it at the pin. Never let the pin uh, determine where you're going to hit the off shot. Then, if, if you can't hit it that straight or with wedges and short irons or whatever, then you got to hit it to the fat side and make sure you can give yourself the best chance to get it up and down for par. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Hit it to the same thing. Hit it to the widest part of the grain, right in the middle, whatever that widest part is. If it's 32 yards long and it is 15 yards on the range your target oh yeah consensus answer no would you ever would you ever suggest you know if you're a long hitter and you're like huh there's uh 180 yards and i can hit my like eight iron that far or something would you ever be like oh why don't just take the seven and hit a little more controlled knockdown shot i think i think amateurs as a whole try to hit their clubs too far like i think Scaled their numbers back by 10 or 12 yards and tried – say they think they hit a 9 iron 150 yards. If they tried to just hit a 9 iron 135 yards, they, they would instantly become five shots better. And they don't they, – not only do they try to hit it too far, but they don't hit it anywhere near as far as they think they do. That's how fucking many, how many How many guys read or said, oh, you know, my buddy's coming to play in the program. We'll meet a guy in the first team. And he's like, yeah, my buddy, my buddy uh, – Whoever he's going to be playing with this day, he hits it 350. You need to see this guy hit it. And the guy will get up there and they'll be like, See, I told you, and it'll be like 270. And you're like, Sorry, dude, that's like yeah. 270 and not 350. No way, that no way. We got to measure it. Okay, we can measure it all day. There's you. definitely people that over exaggerate <laughs> their length. I and mean, that's just a common part of the game. But. That is so the truth. Like, I, I feel like I'm so much better than a lot of my friends just because. I own up and be like, no, I can't hit my nine iron that far. Like, I'm going to hit my eight iron because that's the club I need to hit. And they're like, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, you're 10 yards short of the green. I wonder why. Right. <laughs> uh, before we head on to the second half, Reed, I know you have some sponsors that we like to plug as well who help you uh, live your glorious life on tour. Yeah. Uh... My partners, as always, that I like to support uh, on and off the golf course. Uh, TD Design, Tommy Dodge Design uh, golf shirts out of California. Uh, designs his own stuff. If you're looking for something in specific, send him an uh, email. He'll design something specifically tailored toward you. Uh, Surf and Turf Golf. Um, find them at surfandturfgolf.com. Um, one of the fastest growing uh, golf hat companies in the country. Uh, if you go on there and find something you like, uh, you can go to the uh, select what you want, take it to the uh, the checkout cart, and put in code readmartin fifteen. Again, that's R E I D M A R T I N fifteen. They'll take fifteen percent off of your uh, your total purchase. And then to my newest sponsor out in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Forma Cars, Mr. Chris Relia and his company Forma Cars have decided to. Uh, partner up they create some um wonderful designs of cars they do replica cobras mustangs all that kind of stuff um some pretty cool machines and then uh, last but not least always to you guys um 
always representing you guys. Love being with you and continue the uh, partnership with you guys. Oh, yeah. Going on to, uh, I know it's going to be a shorter pod than usual, but uh, Warka, we have some questions for you. I know Reed has one waiting, but I wanted to ask you this. What is your best story on the golf course? My best story on the golf course? I've got several of them. I guess probably last year. Well, I got. I guess one as it relates directly to um, to caddying um, at the uh, Lecom Health Challenge last year. Uh, Ryan Graham and I had a two-shot lead playing 18, par five that he can get home to and two with a mid iron, and he hits his drive down just in the left rough, and and the second shot's over a creek, and says, "What do you What do you think we should do here?" And I say, "Well, we get." Tim was playing with Tim Wilkinson. Tim had already laid up in the middle, so if we lay up with Tim and we make five and he makes four, we still win by one. This was laid up in the middle, lays it up perfectly in the middle of the fairway, but it disappeared. So he's like, oh, and what's the went in the sprinkler? And I was like, yeah, I, I think it was just like the sprinkler head. Tim hits it on the green and we get up there. It was the biggest divot I'd ever seen in my life. The, golf, the entire golf ball was underground and up the front of the divot. And there was probably, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people out there. And he said, well, what do you like here? And I was like, well, man, I said, Tim hit it to 20 feet. I said, I think you just literally, we just chip it down the fairway. We had like 80 yards to the hole, maybe like 50 to the hazard. And I said, literally just, he's like, I'm not laying it up in front of all these people. I said, we can also go backwards, hit it backwards away from the hazard and have like 100 yards left in. No, we're not doing that. So Ryan, who's at the time had the highest club head speed in professional golf, hit a wedge and hit it so hard, took half the fairway with him, and the golf ball went about 52 yards straight into the ditch, double bogey. That's it. <laughs> game up, game over. Tim Wilkinson makes five playoffs, and we're on the way back to the playoff. And nobody, I mean, nobody could. It was the war. It was the golf shot was so bad from the divot. It just looked terrible. No one, nobody knew what friggin' hell was going on. And as we were riding back in the golf cart, I said to Ryan, hey, man, it doesn't matter what happens in this playoff because he finished second the week before in Utah. I said, you've got your PGA Tour card locked up, so just as long as you remember that, just let's go. And he's like, I'm good, I'm good. Nothing nothing uh, that happened there is going to phase me. And he went on, hit driver and five iron in the middle of the green and two-footed to the win. So maybe that was, that was pretty good. That's awesome. Because I've never seen a guy – or rarely will you see a guy in that situation do the exact thing that he's supposed to do and get that hole. It was unbelievable. That's also a great story and great storytelling. You had us all yeah. thinking it was going to be like he had a great shot to 10 feet, but no. No, and then I, I never took the bib off. The best part of that is that Reed and them were over at a, at a, a tavern, an Amish tavern by the golf course. Remember that, Reed? An Amish <laughs> French Creek Tavern. That's it, French Creek Tavern, yeah. And I just went in there with the bib on. And, right beside uh, the Yeah, it was awesome. And I just wore the bib in there and Landon land uh, land got me popped a beer and just poured it straight down my throat in front of everybody. It was great. Yeah, we just showered him in beer. We loved it. That yeah. leads right into Reed's question then. Lorcan, I, I was thinking about it. I don't know if I've ever heard it from you. I think we need to hear your best Irish bar story from Ireland. Best Irish bar story from Ireland? 
from the I'm homeland. Sure, you've had a wild night at the pub in Ireland at some point. From the homeland, well, yeah, then usually, you usually end up calling you, so you know that that's happened. <laughs> they had to be under the influence of Guinness too. And like I mean, there's many, there's there's many nights. The one that springs to mind, just with all that's going on right now, March thirteenth. Uh, I was in Ireland this year. I was home for a week, seeing my parents and stuff. And um, we're down in the we're down in the pubs in my local pub in Gidney, and there's six or eight of us in there. And we're in this thing called a snug, which is like a it's a room off of the main bar. It's where like quote unquote the men the men go in back in the back in the day. Women were not allowed in there, and it's where men went to smoke cigarettes and solve the problem of the world. Well, they still exist in a lot of the older pubs. They still have these things called snugs in there. They usually can only hold about 10 or 15 people. I was in there with eight guys, and we were absolutely smashing and drinking all day, all day long, gambling on horses all afternoon, and the bookies decide they're going back and forth. And then we're shouting and roaring or whatever. And then, of course, the, we got all the TV screens up there, and across the screen at the bottom, it says Donald Trump bans all travel to Europe effective immediately. And I just remember in an instant, 25 beers just leaving my system and being completely and utterly sober and saying, I have to get the hell out of here because <laughs> there's something in the world that is going on that I don't know about. And I'm not only going to lose my job if I don't get back to the States, but I'm going to freaking lose my friggin' family because why would they what's going on in the world and then obviously it turned out to be COVID-19 and then initially if you guys remember the ban did not apply to Ireland or the UK so um went to the air went to the airport right there and then at 1 1 1 30 in the morning and uh talked to the United Airlines representative at Dublin airport and uh got on the next flight the next morning and uh never in my life been so relieved to get out of the country <laughs> That's Isn't crazy. It sort of, it's all it's all like so crazy. I got a very, that's not a very good bar story, but that's all I can come up with. On, on, on no, but, but it's a head. good story because talking about COVID, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every couple of days I just have a moment and think like, what a wild time in our lives. Like everything like, yeah. shut down. Everyone just unbelievable, man. It was how much money? How much? Well, you saw the guy on the weekend bet one one dollar and he won like. Six hundred and something thousand betting on all those two balls. How much money would you have made betting one dollar in March that the PGA Tour would shut down for one hundred and seven days? Yeah, and the cancel and the Masters would be rescheduled, and they would cancel the British Open. Yeah, two Masters in one year. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no. I was, I was mostly bummed about the British Open being canceled because I know that's a place where Tiger can usually win. So yeah. yeah. I do have uh, I do have a trivia fact, Zach. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, let's get right to it. Well, we're talking about Tiger, so we're gonna flip the order, I guess. Keep it a That's little fine. bit. Absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, I'll get right into my Tiger stat. Um, we were talking about all the young guys on tour and how great they are, but we all know the greatest young player on tour ever was Tiger freaking Woods, and. Uh, um little stat here is that Tiger Woods completed the Grand Slam, the career Grand Slam, at the age of 24 years old. Um, he is the youngest player to do that. And then only five players in the last 50 years have even won a major 
at age 24 or younger. Actually, I think it's six now with Marikawa. I think the stat was a little outdated, but that's incredible. I mean, Tiger won all four, and there's been like six that have even won a major before that age. Crazy. Seriously, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I like this Tiger stat. Just to remind everyone that Tiger's still the GOAT. Now slow your roll. <laughs> and some of the stats that you see, when we're, when we're out caddying reads, you know when they flash them up on the board, and it'll say, yeah. like, Mark Hubbard, 0 to 4 feet, 98.6%, floor average, 98.5%, leader, Graham McDowell, 100%, or something like that, it'll say. And the stat that used to get me, or still gets me, is plus, plus uh, 30 feet, or 50 feet plus, uh, Score average like 1.2% or something. Score leader, Jordan Spieth, like 21% or something. <laughs> like it's some like, you know, I, the, my, the numbers are off, but he is so far ahead of everybody else in that one category. That, you know, have you ever seen that flash up rate? He's like 18 or 19% ahead of the tour average in, that, in, in like plus of over 40 feet or something. Really? I haven't seen that. That's crazy. Yeah. Every time it comes up, I just am like, that's unbelievable. So, like, literally, Greller is just standing there, like, when he's, like, 60 feet away saying, there's a decent chance that this will go in. Well, I'm thinking, man, if we can get out of here, two bodies, we're doing good. The the craziest stat I always found was, I remember I was watching the Golf Channel, like, a couple years ago, and they said that Luke Donald once, for like 18 months straight, did not have a three putt. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's like by far the longest streak. Like, how is That's that crazy. possible? Tiger Woods, one year, four feet and in, 100%. Never yeah. missed a putt outside of, inside of four feet. For one, not three feet, four feet for an entire year. Wow. On PGA Tour. Yeah. And the next best was like 92 or 91%. He was like eight or again, eight or 9% ahead of the field, just from four feet from the hole. Nuts. So I'm curious yeah. as to what Reed's uh, geography question here is now that, now that we're locked at home right now. Yeah. Las Vegas. How many, how many casinos are in Las Vegas? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Like actually, like in on Las Vegas Boulevard, or just in Las Vegas city limits? Just in Las Vegas. I guess thirty-five. I was gonna say forty-five. Uh, Seventy. A hundred and thirty-six. <laughs> oh wait, hell, Lorcan, your fact from last week that was just blatantly incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it was not completely correct. No, ask him the question, then tell him what your answer was. In 2018, how many hotels was Las Vegas home to? Any hotel? This is supposed to be hotel oh, rooms. Hotels. We're going to go with hotel rooms. How many hotel rooms was it home to? Yeah. Oh, well, 136 casinos, probably with an average of 1,000 um, rooms. I'm going to say is home to, well, most of them have over 1,000. I'd say it was home to, with places that don't have casinos, 136, and then probably another, and probably 3.6 million. 
Oh, how many hotel rooms are in Las Vegas? $148,000. Lorcan, but he asked, when he asked us that question, he said hotels. And then he said 148,000 hotels in Las Vegas. All right, I have a second, I have a second, uh, a second kind of double part. Um, <laughs> 3.6 million. No, 148,000. <laughs> <laughs> so something that people, a lot of people don't think about in Las Vegas or don't ever go to or don't ever go see or never crosses their mind is the Grand Coulee Dam. And if you haven't driven by the Grand Coulee Dam, it's actually pretty cool. Do you guys know the spillway volume of the Grand Coulee Dam? So how much water can spill per second? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> is it in gallons? gallons? Cubic feet. <laughs> that, oh. Cubic feet is a Who knows this or whatever you call that that I don't know. All right. I agree with that. Million cubic feet per second that it can drop, like that's the max that it can drop. A billion. And a million, and the dam volume is almost is just under twelve million cubic yards of water. Yeah, but that could be like two gallons. I mean, I don't know what any of that. Yeah, ex- exactly. We no, have no a cubic foot. A cubic foot is like a little more than a gallon. Yeah, yeah. no, you should know. Um, You're like a. Think about twelve million cubic yards. That's about three point six million hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love those stats. So thank you, Reed. As always. And next next week coming to yours truly from wherever the heck I'm gonna be, I will have another one just like it. Hey, do you think, Reed, do you think that what do you think the most impressive tiger stat is? In my opinion, the most impressive tiger stat is the amount of cuts made in the road. Oh, that's one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you, you on that. Yeah. What about weeks weeks at number world number one in a row? That was insane. Well, I think those come hand in hand. Yeah, I think they will roll together, don't they? You're just gonna make that many cuts on PJ Tour. You're just gonna weeks at number one yeah. in a row, though, seems like like that's crazy impressive. But like, you could still miss a bunch of cuts and just come up clutch in majors. But, like, uh, you can't miss a single cut. miss a single cut means you can't shoot like 76 ever. Yeah. Right. I mean, look at Brooks Kepka. How many times has he legitimately featured in a regular tour event? Seriously, in his entire career, has he legitimately been a challenge in a regular tour event? Maybe 25 times? Yeah. I think that's been extremely generous. Yeah, no, he just majors. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nolan, do you have a favorite Tiger stat to leave us off here? Mm. All of them. He always wears red and black on Sundays, baby. 100% of the time. <laughs> I like that. And with that, uh, I'm Zach. We got Nolan, Reed, and our guy, Lorcan, who will sure make out one soon. Lorcan, coming on, my friend. Thanks for coming on, Lorcan. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks,